This week on the TechNado, we are in beautiful San Francisco, California for the RSA conference. We've got plenty of great interviews to bring you as well as Daniel Lowry's insights from attending some of the sessions. That's all coming up in the TechNado starting right now. All right, hello everybody and welcome to the TechNado, sponsored by IT Pro TV. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and if you're a familiar viewer for us or a listener, you might sound like this doesn't sound like Don's office, doesn't look like Don's office. It's a little different. It's a little different because yeah. we are in lovely San Francisco, California for RSA, and I'm joined now by Don 2.0, as I like to call him, <laughs> just really to see if Don pays attention, watches yeah. the podcast when he's not on it. But Daniel Lowry, Daniel, how you doing? I'm doing great, Peter. Uh, having a lot of good times out here in San Fran. Had uh, seen a lot of interesting things at RSA as well. Yeah, and we decided let's go to the most, uh, you know, the quintessential San Francisco, the That's the right. iconic part that everyone knows. And not talking about the Trans America building back there, the Golden Gates over to our right, but the full house yes. uh, park here. That's uh, right. I, I believe we learned that this maybe isn't the house that they lived in, but this is where they had this a nice they, picnic. They did the opening yeah. shot, right? Yeah. And that 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 family just looks so happy <laughs> in that picnic, and and I'm feeling a little bit of that here yeah. too. But Nostalgia just yeah. waving over us it right is, now. It is. It uh, is. Not not for that Fuller House. We talked no, about that. Not not huge fans. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. But anyway, let's talk about RSA. RSA is a conference we've been coming to. Uh, this is my third year here. I think. It's third year that, that yeah. IT Pro TV has been here. Uh, Daniel, your first time this out here. This is my first time what, out here. My first time to San Francisco, even. Uh, it was great. It's a huge conference, massive, so many booths, so many things happening, so many uh, talks going on. There's just so much to do, and they're building more for have more square footage to make it even bigger. Yeah, the Moscone years, Center right? is, yeah. is getting even bigger, and uh, this takes up the west side, the east side, um, the north side. Actually, there's no east. West, uh, north, south, and uh, into the Marriott. But uh, we, we did 18 interviews. We're going to get to those in a second, not all of them. We're going to pick out our, our best. Um, but uh, Daniel, you had a chance to go to some sessions today. So um, what, what are some takeaways? What did you see that was cool today? Yeah, the, the main thread that I saw in the, in the talks today was basically ICS, the uh, industrial control systems, and how dangerous it is for hackers to be able to get at that why that's happening, why is it so dangerous, obviously because people's lives are at stake when they come to these things a lot of times. Uh, and we think traditionally, well, they're air-gapped, but more and more they're becoming connected, that they're connecting them, and that's what's making them vulnerable. Typically, there are systems you can't update, you can't patch, so we got to find ways to work around that so that we can keep the bad actors out of those systems because obviously we wouldn't want them fiddling with, any, with anything inside of them because obviously some very, very bad things could happen if that occurs. So were these uh, sessions like people giving uh, suggestions on, on how to, to solve these problems or just more, hey, we want you to be aware these are the biggest threats we're looking at right now? Yeah, they did give some remediations, you know, things you can do. There are some appliances out there and techniques just trying to build in security where you're already starting to build it. This is like ground floor kind of thing, but if you already have something in place, uh, what's some software that you can put in line? What are some security techniques that will help keep the system safe? Things of that nature uh, come in line. There's, there's so much that could be done and is being done to try to mediate this problem that it would we would do a whole podcast on yeah. just that, to be honest with you. Well, one of the other cool things we saw today was the, the sandbox area where you mm -hmm. can actually get your hands on with some of this stuff. Um, I know we we, uh, we talked to some of those uh, uh, you know, it, those control systems, but also some of the medical stuff too. What what what'd you like in the sandbox? Yeah, sandbox was super cool. They had the uh, capture the flag that was sponsored by Sands. Um, they had hack vehicle, the, the um, 
um, the the smart cars. Yeah, hack the smart car stuff. Always a big hit at these things. We looked at some of the hacking ICS SCADA stuff, which was very cool. We talked to one gentleman there. I think his name is Stuart, and uh, he he was doing a demonstration about a, a heart monitor and how he can keep that connected because it was running. I believe you said Windows. Of, oh, no Linux, Linux. That's right. So no An Linux unpatchable version of Linux yeah. because when it's inside the machine. It's it you can't touch the actual core of the operating system. Yeah, you'll, system. you'll break the, the it, program running on top of exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So how do we protect that if we can't update it? How do we keep actors out of that that network? He showed us some devices and, and uh, techniques for making that happen. That his company does very very cool stuff though. Very uh, bleeding edge. Very important and obviously as far as what we were seeing at the conference, uh, the forefront, the tip of the spear of the battle right now. Yeah, because theoretically, if I get into one of those systems, I could. Uh, Tell everyone at the nurses station your heart's working fine as I put the pillow over your face. <laughs> exactly. Which, and uh, it'd be none the wiser. Yeah, and, and now I know how to do that. So thank yeah. you, RSA, <laughs> yeah. for having us out here. Yeah, and, it's and a learning experience. Very cool. It? Yeah. <laughs> well, another learning experience for us was uh, the interviews yesterday. And we, yeah. like we said, we did 18 interviews, started at 8 a.m. all the way till about 4 30, 5 o'clock yesterday. Um, we're not going to show them all to you right now, but they're going to be on YouTube. Uh, we've got, we're going to have a playlist, RSA 2018, uh, that will have all that stuff. And really cool for you to go in and kind of get to experience the conference even though you weren't able to come to the conference maybe um, get to see you know the cool emerging tech that was out there but uh, we want to share a few of them with you and the first one would is something someone we've actually talked to in, in past years but it was denim group and and uh, and you had a chance to talk with with Dan uh, what what made that one stand out it's one of your favorites it was great they, they were they basically specialize in building security into application right so if you're building an application you've got DevOps you've got just dev uh, proper, and you want to make sure that the applications that they are actually making has security built into that. You don't want to have to go back after the fact and then remediate security issues, although they can help you with that if that's the case. Uh, how do I how do I make sure the app is secure from the get-go? That's where they come in. They have some software. They have, uh, I don't remember if it was software or if it was a subscription service. And I think they actually even will drop in like a special forces group and kind of, wow. you know, uh, help you with those things as well. But they're very cool, very cool. Build that security in so that you don't have to come back after the fact. That was the main takeaway from it, so that it's it's secure from the start, and then you just have to go from there. Well, let's go back and take a look at that interview. It's with Dan, and I'm almost sure he's the CTO I think of Denim is, Group. Yeah. Um, you'll see why we made that assumption. Uh, so here's that interview. All right, everyone, welcome back to RSA 2018. I'm Daniel Lauer for IT Pro TV, and today we are here with Dan Cornell, CTO from the Denim Group. Dan, tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Uh, well, so I'm a software developer by background, but I've spent the last probably you know, 12 or so years of my career helping organizations deal with the security of the applications that they're building. And so that's really reflected in the Denim Group as well, and that we help organizations scale their application security programs, but we come to that from the standpoint of having strong knowledge of what it takes to actually develop software. Gotcha, gotcha. So the Denim Group actually takes a, kind of comes in, takes a look at what you're building, what applications you already have in place, kind of reviews that, does does all the standard old code review uh, kind of things? Yeah, security code reviews, application assessments, and then you know a step up from that, like you said, looking at the organization's application portfolio and helping them really do risk ranking to understand, when you look at the enterprise as a whole, what is what are the risks they're dealing with and what is the most efficient way for them to reduce that risk? Gotcha. So uh, being in that space, right, being in that business, what is the most typical thing that you run across to say, this is something we almost always find that, that companies are doing that they shouldn't be doing or should 
are, are not doing that they should be doing, that kind of thing. Um, what, what is that? Like a huge problem that we see is organizations don't understand the scale of the problem. They don't know what their portfolio of applications is. They don't have good security insight into many of those applications. And so what they start to realize is like this is a giant problem. It's exposing us to significant risk. And how do we most efficiently use the resources that we have to you know, available, how do we bring that to bear on this problem so that we maximize the risk reduction, maximize the value of those efforts? Yeah, we were talking before uh, we came on camera and you used the term um, force multiplier. I think that's really what you're getting at is you're taking the resources that a company already has and showing them how they could really um, be more efficient with them, correct? That's right, and so what we, a big trend that we're seeing right now is as organizations make the shift to DevOps to include security in that, so if it's SecDevOps or DevSecOps, whichever whichever hashtag you prefer, but that's what we see is you know the security team, which is you know typically small and centralized, saying how can we work with the dev teams or these teams that are moving to DevOps and get them to include security testing alongside of that, and that's a great way for this small security team to have an outsized effect, and that's one of the things we've worked heavily on with our ThreadFix platform is how can we use that to help organizations scale their program? And a big part of that right now is figuring out what portion of the program can you carve off and have the DevOps teams handle. You know, what type of automation can you include? What type of orchestration can you include? So that you're making it really straightforward for these dev and ops teams to include security uh, and, and do that in an efficient way. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about, uh, you said it was called ThreadFix, right? Right, so our ThreadFix platform, organizations use that to run their application security programs. And so to look, here are all the teams we have worldwide that are developing software. And here are all the applications each team is responsible for. And then to load in the results of all the security testing and assurance activities that they're doing. And so if they're doing static testing with Fortify or check marks, they're doing dynamic testing with AppScan or WebInspect. They're doing manual testing with Burp Suite, manual code reviews. They're also using external providers like you know, Veracode or White Hat to get all of these results pulled into one unified console so that they have a single list of, here, here are all the places where we have exposure. Let's make a determination, again, with our limited resources, which are the most important vulnerabilities to fix and what's the most efficient way to fix those, and then to translate those vulnerabilities into the tools the development teams are already using. We want to take friction out of the remediation process because you're, you're finding vulnerabilities in a lot of cases is easy. It's knowing which ones to fix and actually getting those fixed that reduces the risk that the organization faces. So it really helps out with prioritization and things of that nature, right? Exactly. You, you, you're never going to have sufficient resources to fix everything. You're never going to have sufficient resources to do as much testing as you'd want to do. And so we want to help organizations make those hard decisions. Uh, and then with the resources they have to make them as efficient as possible. Man, that is fantastic because it's so difficult to go, I've got this one threat wire, I did my vulnerability scan, I found this threat, it's critical, but the, the difficulty in fixing it could be monumental, it could take a long, long time, and I've got threats four, five, and six over here that I can get done really quickly. Which one do I tackle first? ThreadFix kind of helps us solve that problem, right? Th ThreadFix helps with that, and also Denim Group's background in software development, us understanding how organizations build software and what is required, gives us what I think is a little bit better bedside manner than a lot of security firms, where they view testing as a gotcha activity. You know, hey, hey, dev team, look at how smart we are, because we found all these vulnerabilities and yeah. stuff you did, you guys must not be very smart. We understand that organizations, you know, dev teams are under tremendous pressure. Security is important, but so is developing new features that a hotshot VP promised to an important customer, right? Yeah. Security is important, but so is fixing performance issues. Security is important, but so are other quality issues. And so 
by understanding the pressures that organizations face when they're developing software and where they really drive value and understanding how development teams work and the tools that they're using. That, again, has fed into us helping, uh, being in a better position to help these organizations uh, with efficiency and, uh, and, and, and streamlining what can, in, if you do it wrong, what can be a very you know, difficult process. Yeah, it's so funny. You, you, the way you were talking made me think about how we, we call it a red team. We got blue team, we got this team, we've got that team. It's almost like we're pitting ourselves against each other. And in a way, we kind of are, but we forget at the end of the day, it's all a collaborative effort to try to reduce the threat vectors in, in our organization. It sounds like having that console and everybody seeing the bigger picture would be very beneficial to everybody. Exactly, Have both having that console, but also being able to reach out via ThreadFix to talk to the dev tools that the dev team is already using, right? So instead of saying, hey developers, come and look at our system for right. the for your security workload, which is magic and different than everything else you do, instead being able to push that into Jira or Bugzilla and say, this is where you manage all of your workload. Right. So security is now going to be part of your backload, or ba part of your backlog, part of your workload, yeah. and alongside all the other stuff that you're doing. Or being able to take data from ThreadFix and push it up to GRC systems and to say from a risk management standpoint, here's the level of detail that you need to know to make good risk decisions. And so ThreadFix is typically used by the app security, the security team, and then philosophically we want to reach out to other teams in the tools and systems that they're already using. Uh, that helps in our experience to very much reduce the friction in these communications. And so you have to have controls in an organization. But to the degree that you can shift to a culture as DevOps is to where everyone has a common goal and is contributing toward that goal, to the degree that you can accomplish that, again, that's where we see greater uh, you know, greater value because organizations can work more quickly and much more in alignment. Wow, ThreadFix really seems to be a great solution for that problem. Uh, I would definitely want to check that out more for myself and uh, you know any company out there. And I guess that brings up a great question. It, it sounds like this really runs the gamut of it, whether you're a small mom and pop or you're a large organization, it doesn't really matter. If you're doing any kind of application, you're going to want something like this in your life, right? Yeah, and, and that's what we see. The you know predominantly the users are uh, you know certainly the large financials organizations that have sprawling application portfolios and a lot of risk. Uh, we also see you know, upper mid market, mid market organizations again where they have a lot of software development going on, but also even you know significantly smaller organizations, but where that organization derives a lot of their value from software because you know if you're driving that much value from software, you also have risk associated with that, and you know so you've got to defend the business process, you've got to defend the applications, and so uh, again, the organizations tend to skew large, but the real question is how much value does this organization des derive from the software and the systems that they're deploying, uh, and what we want to do is help them address the risk that naturally comes along, you know, is the flip side of that yeah. value equation. Yeah, if your web API is your product and it goes down, you probably want to make sure that, it's, uh, that, that it is appropriately secure. Exactly. Well, tell us a little more about how, how do we get in contact with you, how do we find out more about about this. Right. And so uh, you can go to uh, denimgroup.com is our main website. The ThreadFix site is threadfix.it. Uh, I'm at Daniel Cornell on Twitter, uh, and I'm pretty active there. Uh, or Dan at denimgroup.com. I'd love to hear from folks. Awesome. Well, Dan, thanks so much for joining us today. It was a great information about your, your company and ThreadFix uh, as well. Hopefully you guys got a lot about out of that. We have more interviews to come. Dan, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys around the, the water cooler. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great interview, Daniel. Very well done, thank you. Thank you. Uh, the next <laughs> one we wanted to, to look at was another company we've talked to in the past, uh, which is Cyber Reason. When they reached out, I said, 
uh, we've kind of covered you guys before, unless there's anything new or noteworthy. And they said, actually, um, this last year we've grown to $40 million in revenue. Uh, we've we've uh, got $100 million in additional funding, and they're becoming one of the um, the biggest players in their industry. So um, well, can you tell us a little bit about their industry, what uh, what they did? I know you did the interview, so you'd know better than yeah. I. Yeah, they do endpoint security, basically. Uh, at least that was the big takeaway I took from them, that they have endpoint security. But it's not just it's not your grandma's endpoint security, that's for sure. They have integrated machine learning, AI, into their software. So it's basically like hiring a bunch of very talented security people and you're just paying for the license to have for the software. It's, it's, it's very, very nice. Not only that, I don't want to give everything away, but they set up this big honey net and honeypot. yeah, honeypot. Yeah. A honeypot is one machine, a honey net ah. is multiple machines. Okay. It makes it look like an entire environment. Gotcha. And they watched as it was hacked. They learned from that and they're using that to build in better threat intelligence inside of their endpoint security. So very cool stuff happening with Cyber Reason. Yeah, well let's go ahead and take a look at that interview because that, that's really cool when they talk about the, the honeypot, honey net stuff um, and, and how they were able to, to really learn how, how these bad actors are coming in. So let's take a look at that interview with uh, Daniel and Isaac from Cyber Reason. All right, everyone, welcome back to RSA 2018, where the interviews never stop coming. And today we are interviewing Israel Barak from Cyber Reason. Very cool stuff they've got going on here. But Barak, uh, Israel, I want you to talk about who you are, what you do for the company, and what the company is for the uninitiated. Awesome, thank you. Well, I'm the company CISO, and really what we do is advanced endpoint and enterprise detection and response, which is really all about understanding when threats enter your network collecting in the information that allows us to trigger a detection when we see a threat advancing in the network and then allowing security operations centers to understand what the full attack story is, what happened before, what happened after, what the nature of the threat is, the context of the incident is, and then respond to that. Gotcha. I was watching some of the promotional information about what you guys do. Very cool. I like how you Everybody's got an endpoint security protection thing going on. It's very common. But you guys have a very interesting hook in the fact that you use AI to basically bolster the ability of the endpoint protection to be a bunch of very low paid, highly intelligent people watching your systems, right? 100%. <laughs> well, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest problems with security operations centers is really not only just the see that something abnormal is happening in the environment, is to understand what the context of that issue is. And we essentially use machine learning mechanisms to tailor all these different dots together to let the SOC analyst know that there's a story here. You know, there are multiple machines involved in an incident. The attacker took different techniques, different turns in the operation. So we basically save the analyst time in doing the grunt work of connecting the different dots together and understanding what the context is and just bring that story to their attention so they can make educated judgment calls. So it basically is gathering all that information, doing this all automated, using AI, to give them a much better and more precise picture of the threat landscape of their environment, right? Exactly, exactly. Awesome. Well, you guys, I know you have some interesting things that you've been working on lately. Would you like to talk about that at all? A hundred percent. You know, we've recently launched a major honeypot project. One of the first actions that we did was to set up essentially a financial services front, a cover, 
and you know, with a significant computing infrastructure behind it, and basically tried to measure what type of automatic attack tools would be out there on the internet targeting these type of businesses, and what type of activities will they take once they penetrate that organization's defenses. One of the interesting things that we saw there, outside of the commodity type bots that are out there that usually transform machines into cryptocurrency, mining bots and DDoS bots and that stuff. We saw that a new class of bots has become much more commoditized. It actually goes into target organizations networks and does the, the groundwork or the grunt work for a human attacker to come in. And that bot would essentially go in, it would establish persistence, it would create backdoors in the environment. It would, it would do reconnaissance in the environment to understand the value of what that target is and basically do all the groundwork for a human attacker. And then what we saw was that after these bots came into our environment in multiple cases, about two days after, a human attacker followed up. And they went in, used the infrastructure that the bot set up for them, and then the, that the, uh, then the more educated processes of understanding what the value of the data is, deciding what to exfiltrate from the environment, et cetera. What really surprised us about that particular test results was really how commoditized this new class of bot is. It took two hours from the moment that we got the infrastructure connected to the internet to get hit with that first bot of that class, that really what we was looking to do was to take over that infrastructure and to do the groundwork for a human attacker to go in. Wow, it really sounds like the threat actors out there are kind of taking a page out of Cyber Reason's book and saying, hey, let's automate some of the more low level but very important pieces of an advanced attack. It's really an effort to scale an offensive operation. Instead of having a human attacker trying to you know, do all these low level activities of going into an environment one at a time, it's really about scaling it and doing this hacking at, a, you know, hacking at scale, right? Just basically hacking by numbers. To get you know, as wide network as possible of target organizations that you have the possibility to go into and you already have done first, you know, first level reconnaissance and you know what the value of these targets are and to choose where you want to invest your efforts. Wow, it's, what's interesting is now that you have all this information, it seems like you guys are really poised to be able to take that, integrate that into your Cyber Reason platform and make it that much more robust and effective. Oh, it's definitely been a great source for new techniques that we've seen these bots using. You know, it's often the commoditization of these techniques that show you the sort of, a, the sort of a, a natural selection of which techniques really work very well at scale in the real world versus which techniques are a little bit more niche techniques that definitely allows us to also hone our, t our detection capabilities. Yeah, that's an interesting way to frame that in, in the idea of, well, the the attacks that don't adapt to a changing security landscape fall off and die, and vice versa. For us as security professionals trying to prevent, if we don't continue to evolve in our practices, if we don't use more advanced technology to cut them off at the pass, then we're going to be the one that are, that are hemorrhaging. So it seems like Cyber Reason really has a, a finger on, the, on that pulse. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Israel, it's been a lot of fun talking with you. Very interesting stuff that you guys are doing over there. Cutting edge, awesome stuff. So we appreciate your time and joining us today. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. No problem. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. It was a lot of cool, interesting things happening at Cyber Reason, so check them out. Uh, where can we, uh, if we wanted to check out Cyber Reason, where would we go? CyberReason.com. 
CyberReason.com. You heard it here. Thanks for watching. We're going to go ahead and check out more of the stuff that's happening here at RSA. So look forward to more interviews coming up. All right, that was a great interview as well, and uh, you can always tell when a company has just got $100 million in funding because the booth Did you was, see that thing? was amazing. <laughs> yeah. we, had, uh, we had popcorn, they had a little movie theater set up, they were giving out candy. It wasn't just a movie. They have created like a movie. They were yeah. giving us like tickets to the premiere. Yeah, and they, it was uh, kind of yeah, cool. It was like all about hackers, yeah. and, uh, and the, the line stuff. that stuck out to me was <laughs> that the next war will begin with one country turning off the other country's power grid yeah. instead of firing well, a what shot. What I tell you, see, it all comes back to the ICS. It does, yeah. it does. Well, good thing we know how to do that now. Yeah. <laughs> well, how to hack it, not yeah, really how yeah, to protect yeah, it, but I guess if you know how to hack it, then you know how to go ahead protect and plug it. the holes. Exactly. But uh, good interview there. And the next one, uh, next and final one that we want to talk about today was with D3 Security and Stan Engelbrecht. And I know he was talking more about the transportation industry. So, um, you know, what do we have to look out for there, Daniel? Yeah, he, he was, they, they specialize in transportation. Actually, a couple of companies there did, I think we talked to uh, Zool. Zool as yeah, well, Zool. and they were in that space as well. Coolest company name. It is definitely the coolest company. And, and actually, that their products yeah. were the Gatekeeper and the Keymaster. Yeah, that's fantastic. Just so, such cool. So check out Zool as well. Very cool stuff. Um, but basically what they get into mostly is compliance. You know, we've got GDPR coming up, and everybody's, you know, it's the boogeyman to everyone right now. So you want to be compliant. They specialize in that. They also specialize in uh, incident response. They got some great software, help you do asset management, help you do some uh, threat hunting, things of that nature as well. A lot of centralized management for all of this stuff, just about everybody was making a product with some sort of centralized management, and they had their own little niche for why theirs was different than the next guy down the road. So it's all about finding the right product that's for you. And D3, it was a fantastic uh, company. It was a fantastic interview. I really liked Stan. He, yeah. he knew a lot about his company. And when you, watch, when you watch it, I just thought it was a great interview. So Yeah, Stan was a good guy. So let's go ahead and take a look at that interview with Daniel and Stan from D3 Security. All right, everyone, welcome back to RSA coverage here for 2018 from San Francisco. I'm here with Stan from D3 Security. Stan, how's it going today? It's going fantastic. How are you enjoying the conference? It's been amazing this year, actually. Truth be told, yeah, it's been one of the busiest conferences we've had, and we're, we're loving it. It's, it's good times. Well, D3 Security is an in interesting booth you guys got going on here. Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and the company? Yeah, so uh, my background actually is uh, obviously in info information security. Um, Came on to D3 just a little over top of two years ago. Uh, fantastic company, great space in the incident response case management side of things. So it's uh, it's it's been an adventure. It's been absolutely fantastic. You know the industry changes. Um, you know stuff like SOAR coming up and touch like automation orchestration side of things. So that's where we're moved into. And yeah, along with whole life cycle life cycle tracking in terms of incident response and and those type of. Uh, events that companies have to deal with, unfortunately, on a much more common basis than they probably want to. Yeah, I was about to say, it seems like incident response is becoming more and more important these days, because it seems like every day I open my newsfeed and there's another incident that somebody had to respond to. It's, you know what, um, we're in the day and age of where it's like, it's, I think it's gone from like the breach of the month to like yeah. the breach of like okay. the day, yeah. pretty much. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, you know what, it's the day and age we live in. Um, unfortunately, with uh, the convenience that we have of the internet and, uh, and these type of things, it, things are going to get monetized and unfortunately criminals are going to take advantage of these type of things and we're going to have to go and deal with it and people have to deal with it and so we need to give them a platform that they can go and log and do these things into. And so, um, and of course with compliance and the rest of things coming in, GDPR coming in, um, it's laid a lot more weight on on the various items, so yeah. it's it's May twenty fifth to twenty sixth yeah. is gonna be real interesting. Man, April fifteenth used to be the big date. Now, now nope. forget that. That was easy. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. 
So tell us a little bit of how D3 can help with that, help alleviate those fears, and just be the the best thing since sliced bread for a company that yeah, No, uses. absolutely. So the, the platform itself really is designed around to track and log everything that the analysts are doing. So you can set up your workflows, you can set up all of your predefined uh, areas, and in the tracking portion, logging portion, there's a full audit trail for everything. So in this audit trail, um, you know, is, is there for every action that's taken, for everything that's done within the platform so that if it ever does need to go to legal or you ever need to go and um, look back and see what's been done, you're guaranteed that that's going to be there and that it isn't going to be tampered with. Uh, along with that, it also automates a lot of the processes that are that are in the system. So if you do need to set up a war room really quickly, you can set up an audit, you can you can set up a, a notification rule to go out and have everybody jump into a chat real quick and, and get those things going. So it's it's designed around really kind of saving the saving a lot of time for the analysts, right? Um, other areas within the within the platform, uh, in terms of like automated threat intelligence, uh, virus total, domain tools, uh, Max Mind, uh, these type of things, you know, uh, allows intelligence to be brought in on an automated basis. Mm -hmm. And whether you're intaking from a sim, whether you're intaking through an email system, an exchange, or something like that, um, it, it just it automates a lot of the processes right now. Um, so that you know, you don't you want the analysts to be doing the brain work. You don't want them to be doing the repetitive work over and over again. So that's that's really where, where we're positioned, and uh, and it, we do a lot of that for for the analysts and for the clients that we have. So it sounds a lot like a like they're the flight mechanic. Like D3 is the flight mechanic. Gets the plane ready. Everything's fueled. Everything's good. The systems check out, and you're just a pilot. You drop in. You take off, and you fight your war. That is a. That's a great analogy. I love that analogy. That's fantastic. I, I give you props for that one. Uh, yeah, and that, that's really essentially it. Um, you know, we supply that type of a uh, uh, supply that type of a backbone yeah. for them, so that you know they they can come in. And the other nice thing is too is we really try filling the skills gap. So if if they have all their procedures in place and they can track and log them and have them in a nice area where you know, junior analyst comes on, gets a little bit of training, but then is given a structured way to go and deal with these the incidents that come in. Um, that's another really value add that, that we have, is that you can bring junior analysts on, you don't have to sit there and handhold them, you can give them a structured format, and really it doesn't matter, on our side it doesn't matter, you, you can follow a NIST framework, you can follow you know, any other type of framework that, that you want to in terms of incident response, or you know, we have clients that have come up with their, with their own and that's their procedures and things, but we can put that in such a way where they don't have to handhold the junior analysts coming in. It, it, it allows that fill in the skills gap and just really gives um, time back to maybe more important things than, than constantly having to handhold in, in those areas. Yeah, it's interesting to, people forget it takes time to learn these skills, although we are adept at that, yeah. we can do that, we still have to get up to speed on certain things and being able to, I've been a systems administrator on you know a top tier and have lower level administrators and be able to say, here's what you need to do and I can take my hands off the wheel and go do more important things would be super beneficial for me. And that's, and that's exactly what we do. The other nice thing is we can put checks and balances in place yeah. in that area so that if there's an action that's going to take maybe like a tier two or a tier three analyst, someone who's got a lot more experience to go and validate, those are items that we can put in place in there so that that kind of a check and balance is in there. So you don't necessarily give the entire keys of the kingdom to the junior analyst to kind of blow everything up. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can really give them what they need to start off in, in their learning process and get a lot of those things out of the way so you free up your tier two and tier three analysts in, in such a way where they can deal with more important things. Excellent stuff. Well, I guess let's move into working with and using the software. Mm. Is what kind of, what is how's it based? Is it agent-based? Is it uh, SaaS? Is it, how, what, what kind of model are you using? So actually we use two models. We both use, we use a SaaS and an on-prem uh, installation. 
Uh, and in all honesty, we found that, you know, cloud is great, and we we obviously use it. We we have a SaaS based SaaS based item. We still run into clients that are like, absolutely not. We just don't want to use it. We want to have all of our data on site. We don't. We just don't trust it, and that's it's a preference thing, right? Yeah. So we have two models of deployment, uh, and each one of those, obviously, um, you know, the pros and cons, and pros and cons in both. Yeah. But that type of deployment, and then you know. It's just it's user access and into the web. It's it is a web-based platform, just just so you know, so they can you know you can have analysts that work remotely, which we do. You know, some some people need if they just need to log in uh, and access it that way, they can. Investigators, if in the case management side, if they need access to the platform on site at a client where they where they have that, they can hop on any type of browser or tablet, log into the system, and they've got full access to log in their investigations. Don't have to wait back wait till they get back to the office or anything like that. That's super nice as well. Now that being said, is there a niche market for this, or maybe a, well, maybe even broader than that, or is it just any company would benefit from using your product? You know, um, we deal with, we have companies that we deal with that are both um, very mature and very just starting out. In other words, you know what they're like. You know what? Wow, we got to get on top of this. We're we're building our sock, and and, and that's common, right? Yeah. And that's it's, it's the stages that we're at. So whether whether it's a company that's just starting out or whether it's a company really mature, you know, anytime we can get them away from, you know, I think like well, maybe back up and talk about like the common way of, of dealing with it. But, you know, you ask them, okay, so what are you logging your incidents now? Oh well, okay, we're using an Excel spreadsheet or we're using you know some other methodology where there is no audit trail or anything, and there's no structure. So you know nobody's logging incidents the same way, and and so the maturity level to us doesn't matter. Like we can we can come into a really mature environment or a really immature environment that's just starting off and really help them structure these type of things. So in terms of a niche market, I, I would say anywhere that any any place that's building out a SOC is, is going to be beneficial or that has a SOC is going to benefit from our software. Do you think that it would be important for companies that are just starting out to hit the ground running with this and the get on the outset than it would be to come into a company that's already mature and now they need to play catch up. Is that is that what, typically what you're seeing in the landscape or is it basically the same thing whether you're one or the other? You know what, it's basically, it really is the same thing whether you're one or the other, yeah. believe it or not. Um, and I, I'm actually dealing with, with both ends of the spectrum, believe it or not. I've actually got clients that I've come into and they're super mature and you set the platform up, they know their workflows, everything builds out. On the other hand, on, on clients where it's more you know, from the ground up level, it really gives them it gives them the benefit that they can go in and really and really end up configuring and working with them in terms of those in terms of those workflows. So it's I would say you know what if you're starting off from scratch you can actually make less mistakes in that in those terms because you can get the workflow set up once those items are set up in the system it's really easy to see what's working and what's not. Um, you come into a more mature environment they may have a more rigid way of doing things and they may be a little bit less agile in terms of having to change things. But again. You know, you put those workflows in, into our system, and and those type of things are going to come out real quick. It seems like you're trying to answer the age-old question of why do we do this, and not have the answer be because that's how we've always done it. <laughs> that you know what, that's that's a huge use case for that, um, and that goes on to the metric side of it. So again, we can pull out metrics on all of their on all of their playbooks and all their workflows. Um, in everything on how they're handling those incidents. So if they do have a breakdown somewhere that they're not seeing, um, the metrics can help on that. Like you know. Why are certain things in, in, you know, maybe a malware incident taking longer than, than maybe what we what we should, right? What phase is taking longer than than it should? These type of these type of metrics can be pulled out of the platform when stuff is getting logged and tracked like that, 
and it's it, it's a huge benefit to the to the SOC and to, and to the company as a whole because they can really see where they can improve things. Well, it really sounds like it. So let's tell the good folks out there if this sounds interesting to them, something they might benefit from in their environment. How do they get in contact with uh, D3? Uh, you know what, D3Security.com, best place to best place to go and find us. Um, yeah, they can, and you know, we're on. We have our LinkedIn group. We have our Twitter handle as well, so they can look up D3 Security in, in any of those places. And uh, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. All right, Stan, been a great interview. Thanks so much for taking time with thank us, you. and we thank you for watching as well. We got more interviews coming from RSA 2018, so stick around, and we'll see you then. All right, another fantastic interview, and. There are 15 more of those fantastic <laughs> interviews that'll be on YouTube here, um, hopefully this week sometime uh, or, or close to thereabouts, and we'll we'll put those up and, and share that link as well. So be sure to check that out. But uh, Daniel, what what were your your closing thoughts? Your yeah, you coming back? Do you want to do this again? Oh yeah, totally, like totally want to go. It's just it's so big, it's so cool. There's so many cool things to see. You you really have to just keep coming back so that you can work your way through all the booths eventually. And then oh, by the time no, you're I'm, done, I'm sorry, I was talking about the clam chowder and the bread uh, bowl. Oh, you know that was divine. That was divine. Delicious. It was the stuff. nectar of the gods, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And you need to get, make your way down there and get some of that. And, and you but, actually said better than Boston. Uh, yeah, I've had I've had East Coast clam chowder from that area, Boston, New England area. Yeah. And now I've had West Coast chowder. Uh, I'm sorry, honey. My wife is from Rhode Island, so I'm going to have to say that San Fran's laying chowder down was, the gauntlet was just a tad more tasty. Maybe it was the bread bowl that did it. Yeah. So send your uh, complaints to <laughs> Daniel at itpro.tv. I, 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 I just got to find a place in New England that does a bread bowl. And <laughs> okay. Yeah. They don't have that that San Francisco sourdough. No, they don't. No, they don't. I'm oh, sorry. You were saying about the conference. Yeah. yeah. Did, conference yeah. was cool. It's great stuff. If you have a chance, make your way out because it's just a wealth of information. Definitely go to the keynotes, watch the talks, l listen to that. Even if you don't get a chance to do that, go to RSA. I think they make a lot of this stuff available on their website, yeah. all the slide decks and things of that nature. So check that stuff out. A lot of great information there. That's going to help you even if you didn't get to make your way out here. So uh, look for those resources because they're, they're going to be just a wealth of information. Yeah, I would say if you can only get to one cybersecurity conference a year, this is an this awesome is one to get yeah. to. And I think they have ones in, in Dubai and London as well. I think and one's I think in Japan as some, well. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say something down, uh, down under maybe yeah. in Australia and yeah, um, Japan. So uh, yeah, you've got options. Yeah. Basically, if you're if you're not in the U.S., but uh, but if you are uh, and you do get to come here, you get to come you to, to go the here. full house yeah. house and wonder the what happened to predictability. Right there and yeah, and, yeah, it's really cool. And, and it's really exciting because we've got we're just surrounded by people right now taking selfies. There's a <laughs> it's a dog pooping over there, yeah. but that's a that's a whole different story. <laughs> well, but, you know, nature calls. Yeah, right? and I think it's time for us to go and yeah. take some selfies. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Technado today. Be sure to subscribe to us. Uh, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from, rate us, share us with your friends, and uh, and do all that good stuff so so people start watching. And next week we'll be back in the studio um, with Don and, and see what he's been up to, catch up on the news from a couple of weeks, and uh, maybe talk a little bit more about the, the cool stuff we saw out here. But for now, that's going to do it for the Technado. So for Peter, I'm or you're Daniel. I'm Daniel. I'm Peter. And we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.